You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Teched, the podcast. This is episode 89 called Four Project Ideas for the Summer. In this episode, we'll talk about some of the inspiration we've gotten from this past year and how that has shaped the development of four project ideas that we want to work on over the summer. This is another episode you don't want to miss. Check it out. I'm jazzed up. Last time I said that that was going to be the first episode. So I guess this is the second episode. Simple math will tell us of the summer. And I'm telling you, I feel refreshed. Just that one week, one solid week. I feel very refreshed uh, and ready to go. Ready to get back into Twitter. I kind of put down everything. Put down, what did I call it? A technology cleanse. I had a technology cleanse last the last 10 days and I feel great. How do you feel, Nick? Yeah, I did pretty much the same thing. We, if you know, if you listen to all of these Got Tech episodes, you might remember we even planned that out, kind of taking off a week or two at the start of summer to do nothing, not look at a computer. Although I did do a little bit of that, but no social media, no nothing, and it, it certainly was rejuvenating. And I think that kind of fits in with this with this uh, episode and what it's eventually what we'll eventually be getting into. So I feel great. I'm excited uh, that we get to kind of kick off our first at home recording session from the summer. So do you, I mean, do you feel ready to get started kind of, I hate to call it working, but at least starting to think about work and what you want to do and projects and everything else? Yeah. I mean, the summer is a great time to go at your own pace. You're not overwhelmed by everything else that's thrown at you in the teaching world. We don't have department meetings. We don't have faculty meetings. We don't have to worry about PLC meetings. None of that. It's your own time to do what you want. So this is a great time to explore. And I'm not saying sitting down all all day and working on something. I'm like, Hey, you know what? Wake up with your morning coffee, write down a couple of ideas that you might have that you want to work on over the next week, two weeks, three weeks, two months. Who cares? Write them all down. And then, you know what? Maybe spend a half an hour, 45 minutes on making something cool that you could use throughout the year. But I'm telling you right now, I'm not trying to think of an individual lesson that I could create. What I'm doing is trying to make frameworks for projects or activities that students can do several times throughout the school year just with uh, working with different content. Man, I'm super glad you pointed that out because, um, yeah, that's what I, for me summer's like too. And I, I think that's the best way to approach it. I can't get into individual lessons. Like you said, it's all sort of big picture stuff, thinking about the more large scale projects or frameworks, as you put it, things that you typically don't have time for when you know, September happens and you hit the ground running and you're dealing with all these nitty gritty details and you need your lesson plans and you got to grade those papers, you know, within two days and you have to meet with these three students by the end of the week. There's so many details 
it's tough to focus on these like bigger ideas, these bigger projects. And that really is what summertime is, is great for. So that's an excellent clarification. And, uh, and I'm glad you laid it out there like that. Let me just hop in here, Nick. Um, yeah, sure. So I want to I want to throw out an example here, and it has nothing to do with what we're talking about, uh, like our project ideas, for for instance. But what it does have everything to do with is just rubrics. I mean, I've been making several rubrics that I'm going to be able to use all throughout the year. So these rubrics are all based on student content creation. I know we've been talking a lot about that, but that's where I'm at right now. I'm going to make a rubric that is going to fit the needs of, I don't know, like instead of using grade point average for every project, it's going to, it's going to be uh, standards based without saying anything else. It's going to be the expectations that I'm laying out for my students. And the great thing about this is the first five categories, none of it is content specific right now. It's just laying out what my standard is. My three is what everyone calls their checklist, all right? So when you make a project, a lot of times in the regular grading system, we make a bunch of things that we wanna see. And I call that the checklist. Well, I made that my C, that, that is my C. And I'm starting to fill in some of the, the other areas in which students can fall back and forth. And I think it's, I think it's kind of cool that, you know, I'm able to see a rubric that I just made and it took me a couple days. I mean, today is what, Thursday of the new week. I've been back from my, you know, technology cleanse for three days. It took me three days to make one rubric. That's something during the school year, I would have to fit into an hour or two if, if that, you know, so rubrics is a, they're a great idea of something that you can make now, put some effort into it, keep visiting it for two or three days, and then have a product that you'll be able to share with your students for the rest of the year. So I have two things then to throw in one. How about we do, I don't know if we'd have to think of a way to tie it in with technology, but I think Got Tech needs a rubrics episode because we keep bringing them up and kind of dancing around it. But I think there's a lot to get into there and sharing some specific rubrics maybe. So that could be one that you guys will see uh, maybe over the summer if we want to get a little bit deeper into rubrics and eventually tie in some ed tech to that. So that was my first comment. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I think it's good. We might be able to just throw it out as a blog post in a in a free template form if we don't go the podcast route. But yeah. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, something. And then, you know, since you shared an idea, I'll let everybody know sort of my typical summer project besides the ones we're about to share. And it's all for me, it's about uh, video creation for my students. You know, we are big into the flipped classroom here. And the summer is when I do a lot of that because, again, like we've been talking about, I'm not sort of bogged down with all kinds of other stuff that I have to do just in being a teacher. So that's sort of where where I've been. My, my, my face will, will very soon be buried in Screencast-O-Matic, my favorite screencasting tool, as I make videos for my AP Chemistry kids for next year. So I'm, I'm actually pretty excited about that. I, I think uh, your videos have evolved since uh, I don't want to say I forced you to make them, but you did. I mean, I kind of <laughs> did. You did. So uh, your evolves. You're you're way past the uh, te- the teacher has been caught and surpassed by the student being you in this case. They're pretty phenomenal. Some of the stuff that you're doing on those videos. If you're an AP Chem teacher out there, Nick, do you have your videos on YouTube? Oh yeah, check them out. Um, I think my YouTube channel is Chemistry by Johnson. It's like all separate from our Got Tech stuff, but uh, check them out. I hope they're helpful to people. Um, 
I think they should be, especially the AP world, because I put a lot of effort into those this year with COVID stuff. So yeah, uh, available for everybody. And going with your AP chemistry, might as well throw a little plug out there for your AP chemistry podcast that you and your students made. Yeah, dude, thanks for bringing that up. Um, If you want, you can check out really on any podcasting platform, a new podcast called Chemistry Connections. And if you do that, you'll hear my voice. And each episode features a different one of my AP Chem students talking about one of their, something they're interested in and how chemistry connects to that topic. So I think episode one ended up being the chemistry of beignets. If you don't know what a beignet is, I'm still not totally sure. I think it's like some kind of a little donut thing, basically like a French donut. But um, this one of the students in this group is going to school at Tulane, uh, which is in New Orleans. Do you know that? Is it New Orleans? It's down south somewhere. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's New Orleans because apparently their beignets are awesome and he's excited about the beignets. So they focus on the chemistry of that. But that's the whole point of the podcast is pick anything, pick a weird thing. The weirder, the better, the more personal and unique to you, the better. And then talk about how chemistry impacts that. And it's my favorite way to end the course. And I I think it's kind of cool to put that out there now for the world. So Chemistry Connections you can also find it on hvspn.com, our very own student podcasting network from the high school that Geis and I teach at. You can follow Got Tech outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at wegottech. All right. So without any further ado, we kind of chatted, caught up a little bit. I guess the only other piece of important information that I have is I finally got a haircut. You know, I was starting to look like Sideshow Bob the Clown uh, there for a little bit. I felt like, uh, you know, my head got like 20 degrees cooler over, you know, the past three days. I mean, it's been 100 degrees out. That haircut was perfect timing. I'm glad that uh, the the lady that cuts my hair, she's back. She was out for all of, of COVID. She's been out since last the end of February, a year and you know, a couple months ago. And I told her that I'd stay loyal, and that's what I did. I grew my hair until she came back, and then she uh, was like, what is this mess? She gave me a cut, and now it's uh, 20 degrees cooler. So let's just go right into segment two, which is projects that we want to make. Nick, you're going to start us off. You have two. I have two. I feel like this is a great time to just, you know, hang out a little bit with these projects and just talk about them. I, I see what you have in the show notes. I'm excited to talk about it. So why don't you just go ahead and get us started? Yeah. So we each brought to this episode two different projects, uh, totaling up to four. These are, again, like big picture things that we want to really put some time into working on over this summer. So I'm going to share mine and, and Geis will share his thoughts and we'll just kind of bounce around. And this first one, I'm pretty excited about it. This is and it even goes back to a very early Got Tech episode that we did where we had a segment on augmented reality versus virtual reality in education. You can head back. It might even be maybe part of the first 10 episodes. Um, but that space really has grown a lot. And we haven't visited it since, at least in a, a serious way. But it's a it's a big part of education. I think it's going to be uh, growing as well. So one thing that I want to do is incorporate and incorporate studying and study skills is something that I really want to focus on this coming year and over the next couple of years, but studying with augmented reality. And I think that there's some stuff out there, some tools, some apps that are really going to make this possible. Um, I thought about it because I recently learned that Philadelphia, a city that we are pretty close to, 
actually has a chemistry museum. And I don't know how I didn't know that. Did you know that Philly has a chemistry museum? I am not well versed in our Philadelphia museums. I, I know I saw some stuff at the Franklin Institute that was pretty cool with augmented reality. Yeah, the Franklin Institute's got kind of cool stuff, but I, I, I'm led to believe this chemistry museum is like separate, but I learned about it. It did get me thinking that I could do this with my classes, not go there to the chemistry museum, but instead sort of turn my classroom in an augmented reality museum that the students can build themselves. Um, which which sounds pretty heavy if you think about what it might take to do that. And it can be. But like I said, there's all kinds of tools today that can make this possible. I focused in on one that is an app called the 3D Bear. So you can look that up, 3D Bear app. And the students would use this app. I'd have to sort of figure out a way to everybody to get that on their phones or tablets or whatever. Uh, but they use this app. And with the app, they can sort of scan in an image of any space. So that would be my classroom at school. And you can turn that classroom or you can add augmented reality objects to that space. So for me, I want my chemistry classroom to now become a chemistry museum where the students are responsible for adding in these augmented reality objects to the space. And then we can use those objects and view them as a class and, and then tie that into studying and exam prep. So instead of your typical review, and I'm not putting this down because I love this tool, it's awesome, but let's say my typical review now is the kids come in and we play some game on uh, Blook It, let's say. Awesome game, super fun. The kids get rowdy. It's great. But maybe to change it up because kids play a lot of games, especially for reviews, maybe they come in and it's museum gallery day and they all walk around and check out these different 3D objects that have been imported into the classroom using their augmented reality 3D bear app. So a little bit more background, if you don't know, this would just mean the kids are holding up their phones and, it, you know, it's as if the camera is on. But as they scan the phone across the room, if they're looking at the phone's screen, they'll not only see the room, but they'll also see these objects kind of placed in it. Um, so this could be things like elements, different types of atoms, different substances, images of those substances could even be, you know, if we really wanted to go museum-y, it could be like historical events involving chemistry, not something we usually touch on, but there's lots of cool stuff there. Uh, maybe even like applications of chemistry in real life that, that are featured as like a little museum exhibit, maybe like a little floating card uh, that's there that the kids can walk up to and read. I think just the uniqueness of this would get a lot of buy-in and it would kind of excite them uh, to get to do this. So they can do that with this 3D Bear app. They, app. they create that room and we can share that out with the rest of the class. I was also sort of even thinking, you know, what else, what else could we do with this? You could even have students do like a little screencast recording on their phone as they walk around to these augmented reality exhibits, right? And record a little, like a little audio tour of their exhibit and then post that onto Flipgrid. So everybody, you know, besides being present in class and doing the augmented reality thing, they would also have the Flipgrid where they could go and watch people's uh, audio explanations of that museum. So yeah. this is all awesome. And I've thought about 15 different ideas uh, since you, you first started talking about the 3D Bear app and, you know, augmented reality. What if you took this app and a lot of teachers out there, if, if they think they have to run a whole class period based on this 3D Bear app or any app that has augmented reality, 
they're going to think that that's a very daunting task. Yeah. So what I would encourage is maybe just start with one, make it part of your station rotation and just have it part of one. You could have five or six different activities, get the students used to it, see how they like it. If they don't like it, you don't want to put in all this effort into that project. Or if they really do like it, which I have a feeling they do, then you can make it part of your station rotation, start small. And then after they're familiar with what they're doing and they have an idea of what they're doing, maybe they can make their own for the next piece. But that was one idea I had is incorporating it into the station rotation. But another one, I'm immediately going to gamifying the classroom and I'm thinking, how can we make augmented reality part of an escape the room, whether it's a virtual you know, escape the room or a digital escape the room or an in-person escape the room. Uh, but that's where my head's going right now and my wheels are turning and I'm, I, I really want to make this happen because you know how I am with the uh, in-person escape the rooms. I just want to explore that space. Yeah, man. I mean, there's so many things you could do with it. And uh, I didn't even, I don't know how, I did not think of the gamification part, but you're right. That's just like a totally different avenue with, with, you know, we could spend hours talking about what to do with that. Um, so there's lots of great stuff there. Um, I do want to also mention that, you know, a lot of the times with tools like this, this 3D bear, it sounds like you might be talking about something that's pretty expensive. You have to pay for. Uh, and of course, there is a pay version, but the free version of 3D bear allows for the use of um, their pre-made 3D models. So you can go in there um, and, and look at these whatever 3D models exist already within the 3D Bear app, and they can use those. So you can probably get pretty far without paying anything. Um, it is also possible to import their own 3D images, but that requires the kids to know how to create them outside of the app, which chances are pretty good. They don't know how to, with the exception of a few kids who are familiar with that kind of stuff. So we're going to stay away from that uh, for now. But I think that's pretty great that you can even do this mostly for free, um, just as part of the app itself. And before I leave this, there are some honorable mentions here that I want to throw out in terms of augmented reality, just to mention them really quickly in case you've checked out the 3D Bear app and you don't like it. Um, our history teachers, there's a great one called Experience Real History. We saw this uh, presentation at ISTE a couple years ago. I don't know if you remember, but it's, it's pretty cool. You like can stand on a Gettysburg battlefield and see that battle take place on that field. Another one called the World Brush app, which is like an AR experience where you can paint in the room, like 3D painting with your hand. It's pretty awesome. The Curio Scope app, um, which is a, they call it a virtuality, which I don't, I think I'm saying that correctly, virtuality, like virtuality, but T-E-E, -E, like t-shirt, um, because it, that's what it is. It's an augmented reality t-shirt. Uh, so you can go check out that app and make augmented reality t-shirts. Pretty cool. Uh, not sure how it would fit in with the classroom, but you might be able to think of something. And then the last one is Catchy Words AR app, which is uh, specifically for games. Uh, it's a game that's made specifically with this AR technology in mind. And, um, you know, similar to these other ARs, you kind of just walk around and there's there's letters floating in the space and you catch them. And as you catch them, you put those letters together to make words. As a teacher, you can set what those words are too. So I thought that one actually might work really nice to build in 
with uh, some studying if that's what you're trying to do like that's what i'm trying to do i could see that one really working with the younger grades as well i mean think yep. of a new way of doing spelling quizzes if if you do formative spelling quizzes i mean if there's a way for teachers to track how many you know words that a student got correct by right. pulling them out of the air i think i think that would be pretty cool yeah that right, would so, be that'd be great yeah so that wraps up your first project and i'm not gonna lie the second one this one was great but the second one looking at the show notes i feel like it's right up my alley but you know, I'm going to let you give it a go and, uh, you know, try to explain it. And then I just want to see where you're going with this. I, I, <laughs> I think it's awesome. Yeah, sure, man. So both of these ideas have their roots in inspiration. You know, the first one, I learned that our city nearby has a chemistry museum. And this one actually came from you and our, our colleague, Jeff Loesch, who's been on the show a couple of times. Um, super into these things called NFTs. If you are listening and you haven't heard about NFTs and you have about, I don't know, 72 hours to spare, give it a Google and start reading because I find them super confusing as to what these things even are. Um, but you are, you, my friend are, are, or have been at least super into these and, and apparently buying them and selling them. And I have only began to skim the surface, but, uh, I don't know. Can, <laughs> is it possible for you to give like a two minute explanation of an NFT for people? <laughs> well, NFT stands for non fungible token. It's part of the cryptocurrency world which is, you know, growing ever so fast. Uh, but I will tell you this much. I, I have been looking at NFTs and cryptocurrency for years now, a couple of years. And to say that I fully grasp it, uh, that would be a lie. Uh, there's a lot that's over my head. But I, I will tell you that I grew up collecting sports cards. I grew grew up, uh, you know, late 80s, early 90s. And if you look at those, those are the ones not worth anything because they made billions of uh, each one of the cards. Right. But I love doing it. And uh, right now they have a basketball one out. They have a they have a Major League Baseball one out through Tops, which is a popular, you know, regular baseball card. But now they're starting to make moments um, into NFTs, uh, NBA Top Shot is the one for the NBA and tops is, is the one for the digital collectibles in uh, the baseball world. So I'm in, I'm a part of both of those. I just think it's awesome. It's like collecting stuff, but not having to worry about keeping them in good shape. That's yeah, the way so I look at it. And it, it, it really breathes uh, or blends together cryptocurrency and collectibles. So those are two of my hobbies. Those are two things I love to do. So yeah. I'm 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 in big or I'm buying in big to the NFTs. Buying in big as in I I like them, not buying in big that I have deep wallets and lots of money to throw at it, which I don't. So So if if you're listening to this and you're saying, What the heck are you guys talking about? Uh, with NFTs, I don't know what they are. Basically, join the club. Super strange, but you can visualize them at least, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, dude. But it's you know, like, like you said, a baseball card, but on the computer. And a lot of them, maybe all of them, I don't know enough about it. There, you you've referred to moments, so this could be like a little snippet of a video of say LeBron dunking, 
and that moment is captured and it plays over and over again, much like a gift does. Uh, and you own it. You can buy it and you can sell it. And that is an NFT. And just listening to you guys talk about these things and trade them kind of got me thinking if I could do something similar with my chemistry classes, except of course, have the students make them. And because these things look a whole lot like gifts, that's where the process was going to start for me. And it turned into then just a student gift creation project where they create a gift, illustrate a certain chemistry concept. So let's say, you know, and this happens a lot of times for me, I'm looking for a GIF, you know, to model, say, covalent bond formation. There's not a lot of those out there. So I would almost assign my students the job of, okay, create a couple slides that shows how a covalent bond is formed, uh, record that as a video any way you want. So that could be like a, with a screencasting tool where you're going through some Google slides or PowerPoint slides, maybe uh, it could be if you've got a little tablet, you could write on the screen um, and record that with a screencasting tool. But whatever you want to do, record it and then take that video recording, turn it into a GIF so we can put it online as like a almost like an online chemistry GIF library. I think that'd be great. We're contributing stuff out there to the real world because I would actually publish this and post it for people to see. I know as a chem teacher, I would use that and I would love to see that that exists out there. Um, and this would be pretty simple too, because the students get to use a lot of tools that they're very familiar with. I'm picturing most of these would just be done with slides, right? Like a Google slides, everybody knows how to use it. A screencasting tool like Screencastify would record what's happening on those slides. And Screencastify has the added benefit, if you don't know, that you can download. When you're all done, you can download the recording as a GIF. So it kind of does the work for you. And if you're not using Screencastify, you can really turn any video into a GIF. There's tons of apps that do this. I have one on my phone right now called GIF Maker. It does a nice job, but it, it's just one of like hundreds. So if you do a little bit of searching, you can find one that might suit you better. But that's my big idea. And I'm actually really excited about this one. If for no other reason, then it's a little more manageable than the augmented reality thing. And I feel like I could dive in pretty quick. So I knew you were going to like that one. I'm glad you pointed that out at the start. I do like it. Uh, I will say that. Uh, I, I think uh, giving them any type of experience with the real world and, and you know, Cryptocurrency and NFTs might be, you know, the stock market of the future for them. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it isn't. I'm not getting into that debate. I think they could both live uh, at the same time. But what I'm saying is, is you're basically showing them something that might fuel their fire. They might research NFTs later. But it's what's really cool is you're throwing chemistry into the mix. You're not really putting it on the blockchain that costs. I, I think you could publish your own uh, NFTs for something like fifteen hundred dollars or something like that. But you're not you're not going there. What you are doing though is giving them that experience, and I just think that's a great thing. So yeah, I do love that one. I, I know that you're big into gifts and that your students like making gifts. I think it would be cool if somehow you can make only five copies of the gift, put serial numbers at the bottom and keep those and it, as the students make them then uh you know when they do well on a test or something like that they could get a random you know gif with a serial number on it i'm thinking once again how can you game gamify it my my boys right now are really big into the game risk 
So I'm thinking, hey, they get three different gifts, you know, of chemistry processes. Maybe that gives them a free homework pass or a couple extra points on something or, or you know, something along those lines. There's there's a way to gamify it, and I, I think that's an awesome idea. Yeah, so I I love that idea, and I, I love the idea of eventually trying to almost mimic that NFT process. I know it's expensive to actually do it for real, but you can kind of tie it in with, like, the serial number thing, like you said. I think it's a great idea. So those are my two projects, and I'll kick it over to you now to start with uh, your first one. Yeah, before I do that, I just thought of something. I think art teachers... I think art teachers get their AP kids or their honors kids or someone that's just really good at art and maybe mentor their kids and see if they can get a grant to create an NFT that their students put out there. I don't know what the logistics would be on that, but I think that would be an awesome, awesome, awesome idea. Yeah. I mean, that's like, uh, that's an incredible idea. And maybe we're talking, uh, cutting edge, cutting edge stuff here. I don't think anybody's doing that. So Somebody get on it, and then you can credit got teched. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> All right, so let's get into my first idea. And this one, I mentioned something similar to it, but I kind of wanted to take it to the next level, um, and that is unboxing. Uh, I've been trying to pick up a new mic uh, for at home. Uh, right now, I'm using the Yeti mic, to be honest with you. I really like it, but I noticed down in the basement, it's a little echoey. So because it's a little echoey, um, I'm looking for something that's going to clean up the audio a little bit. So I started going to YouTube. And what do you see left and right when you're looking at products on YouTube? You see unboxing. So I'm thinking, okay, I hear students talking about you know people unboxing anything from video games to gaming systems to you know, any type of electronic, uh, someone was unboxing beats the other day, uh, when I was in at school, cause I had to grab something. I was just watching them make an unboxing uh, video for beats. And the thing is, is they're getting hundreds and sometimes hundreds of thousands of, of views. So I'm thinking, how can we take this unboxing process, which is part of the, the students' culture right now, YouTube is a big part, and they, they watch and they look at everything on YouTube. How can we do the same thing through maybe using content? So I'm thinking vocabulary and topics and making them take those vocabulary and topics and put them into a narrative. So let me get into this a little bit, and then you can basically ask me questions about where I'm not clear. So this is what I'm thinking. This is a new way of doing formative assessment or maybe even summative assessment, all right? You give each student five either vocab uh, vocab words or topics within the class, or maybe it's three vocab words that also fit under the umbrella of a topic, all right? You send them all through it. Maybe it's outside. They're going to use their phones or their Chromebooks if, or anything that they could record, or they could even do it live. You don't need to record them. But what they're going to do is they're going to basically work with these vocabulary words and, and topics uh, and make a narrative and present it to the class. I also thought that maybe you can give them one word that they're not allowed to say, but that is the topic or, you know, choose a topic. And then what they have to do is define a whole bunch of words and tie them into a process. But then the other students had to take a guess. 
And really, between this unboxing thing and that gamification, that I kind of my my mindset was I I was going to make unboxing one, and then I was going to bring in gamification through what I called the phrase game. And this is my project number four. But before I get into the phrase game, do you have any questions for me? I do. I'm glad you stopped before the phrase game because, I mean, I've seen this unboxing thing. I have a little nephew who's starting to get into that and watch a ton of YouTube. First of all, I, I know what it is, but I don't get it. I don't get the fascination, but I know that it is huge and young people love to watch these unboxing videos. So, okay, great. I, I think it's awesome you're building a project off of that. Um, you're, in your project or this vocabulary uh, building activity, are they physically doing anything? Like, are they physically unwrapping or is it more just like a kind of representing that idea of unboxing? See, I think you could really make it more authentic by putting, maybe it's even objects. You could even put objects into a box or maybe it's just cutouts of the words or maybe it's pictures. You could do pictures as well. Anything that represents that content that they would be able to look at it and get it and explain it. I think that's where you go with it. So I would definitely give you a box and in this box, I might put, you know, I'm thinking to the Civil War now. Maybe we'll put one of the uh, rifles that was in, in the uh, Civil War. Maybe we would put one of the, the battles, maybe a picture of a map showing Pickett's Charge. Or maybe Devil's Den, because everyone that's been to Gettysburg goes to Devil's Den. Big round top, small round top. Those, we'd put you know, a combination of all those. And maybe it's three major battles within Gettysburg. And by looking at maps or pictures or things like that, the triangular field, things like that, they would be able to say, okay, uh, this first space is where, you know, so many soldiers lost their lives. You know, there are two days in which they say that the water around the surrounding area to this day turns red. You know, there's hints of red in it from, you know, how much bloodshed there was during that battle. And there, they're describing it. They're un they're showing that they understand it, but they're not giving that away. So this, the classmates can uh, kind of look at that. And then maybe at the end, they do, you know, say something about that. They, they say what the term or the topic is. Okay, so this I, I think is awesome. I'm thinking for me, like I could have you know, a bunch of little boxes set up. You could even digitize the boxes, although I think it's cooler if you actually had them. Uh, but whatever, boxes and then different elements inside each box. And they just randomly unbox two elements and then have to, you know, write the chemical formula maybe that those two elements would create when they bonded together and record that as like the their chemistry unboxing and you know, maybe there's ways you could do that in math where each box contains maybe a different number and then a different operation, like multiply, divide, exponents, that kind of thing. And they have to somehow solve the equation that the unbox forms. But uh, I think I think you really hit on something here. I did not see unboxing coming into this. And I, I read your show notes, too, and it didn't even connect what you were talking about. But, uh, dude, I think you nailed it. That's a that's an awesome one. Do you want to? I just thought of another one for right. you, you have the periodic table. You have a lot of different elements that you can work with. Uh, you have different elements that they could tell what those elements are because of feel and things like that. So what if you do a box that 
they can't see into, but the front is clear. So the rest of the class can see into that box and you have an object in that box. So one person comes up to the front of the classroom, reaches their hand in, tries to feel it and tries to guess what element that is made up of and why they think that element is uh, what they're they're touching and feeling. I mean, that that's another cool one that, you know, you can work with. Okay, here's another cool one. Art teachers out there, you could unbox different paintings and the students won't know what painting is going to come out. And then when they take out the painting that they've just unboxed, they have to do like an analysis of it, like a review of that painting and the style and what it's similar to and all whatever other maybe time period that it fits. I'm not sure what would go into that, but that could be another cool uh, sort of tie in there for the art people. And I think if we spent more time with this, we could link this to all subject areas too. So this is just an, just an awesome one. Um, you did start to say that it actually links with your project four, that which you called the phrase game. Yeah. So like I said, I wanted to gamify everything and that's where my headspace is because it's, you know, next to podcasting and student content creation, gamifying the classroom is really right there with it as one of my teaching passions. So the next one I called the phrase game. So as I told you, there's either a topic or a vocab word in the first game. Well, not all the time do we need to worry about vocabulary or maybe it's not even a part of a topic, but uh Say you're given a word, and I'm almost thinking like the secret password, if you remember the show from the 60s, where uh, there's a word, and then there's two teams, and they, they get to give a uh, you know one-word description of that word without saying it, and then they guess. Well, for this one, I'm thinking that each student gets a word that they cannot say, and that's the word that the, stu the other students have to guess, all right? They have to make like a 45 second video of three different clues to get students to say that one word. All right. So if you have 24 kids, there's 24 of these words that go out. And once again, they take their phone, their Chromebook or whatever, or maybe they just come to the front of the room to, to give a non-tech option and they give their first word. And this word, you know, I, I'm trying to come up with an example. So if I say, Say the word is sky. The student might come up and say the first word is blue. Okay. Uh, and then I would pause there. There would be a 15 second pause in the video. All right. And students have to write, write down what they think that word is pertaining to. Maybe it is a vocabulary word. Maybe it's a system. Uh, maybe it's a, an equation. Maybe it's a formula. Who knows? All right, but they write that down. And then the student gives the second word and this, they get to write that down. If they think they still have the correct word, they write the same word down and then they'll get multiple points. All right, but if they feel like their first guess was wrong, then they could go to their second guess. And then finally, there's a final, final word and a final guess. And then at the end, the person would reveal their word. And students can go over that individually and count how many they got right and how many points or you could do it as a large group as well. Okay, man, that's that's cool. So this is like the video part is just as an alternative to doing it in person. So, you know, I could sit there and, and click the three video clues basically and, and play that way. Do I have that right? Yeah, you could do it either way. And right. one, one thing that I really like about this is that review 
could be part of their review, which is done at home. They don't have to be in class, or if they miss class, they could go do that, or they could go back. But there's also an extension to this. Maybe after people guessed, went through all of them, and they guessed, maybe you break them into small groups, and they go over each word together, and they go, well, what were your three guesses? Well, why'd you pick that one? Because I think that would help identify misconceptions, maybe. Or you might get students to really start linking these words together and have a greater understanding of how they fit into the curriculum or the content that you're trying to go over. Yeah, that's that's cool. I really like the video aspect of it because it kind of opens it up then to, it, it could happen anywhere. Uh, almost like that asynchronous, you know, you're, you are asynchronizing a game that typically has to be played in person. So I almost foresee maybe each clue going on like a different Google slide or all three on the same something. I'm not sure how you would set it up. And then that's just gets shared out with your class or with your students. And then based on those clues, you can expand it in any, any number of ways like you shared. Um, so that's a, another really, really super clever idea. How'd you come up with that one? Well, actually someone reached out on Twitter and they wanted to know a game that would work for a uh, drop schedule. So they wanted an asynchronous version of a game that could be handed out as homework that wouldn't take the students more than 10 to 20 minutes to complete when that class was dropped. So that's where my mind was. And, you know, there are a lot of games out there that work. You could throw a Jeopardy game together and just have the student take it individually. But I wanted one that you know, if you had time, you could come back to it and you can share it in the classroom or maybe it would work in any any type of schedule. So that's where I was. And I'm not going to lie. I had the Game Show Network on in the background. And, you know, when multiple beautiful things come together, magic happens, Nick. I, I just can't help <laughs> it. So, Yeah, I mean, I, I think we might have hit on some magic here today. We, we got all kinds of stuff going on, augmented reality, gift creation, modeling NFTs, unboxing videos for content and studying, and then gamifying the phrase game with, with videos so students can play it anywhere. That's, that is an awesome list for summertime. This was supposed to be a short episode. We're pushing 45 minutes or something close to that. So after it's done being edited, it'll probably be down to 35 or 40. But that's still longer than we anticipated. But I think there's a lot of gold here. But if you want some more gold, you want that gold star from us, you can help us out by spreading the word about Got Tech to other teacher friends. You can subscribe to us on all the major podcast players. Uh, go over to YouTube. Check out our YouTube channel. We add stuff there all the time. And if you want to, you can go to Apple Podcasts and write us a review. You can find all of our content and more on www.gottech.com. And thanks for joining us today. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geist and I individually at Geist Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.